Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. My name is Jeremy. And we're here to discuss the May 1986 issue of the Uncanny X-Men number 205 on sale February 11th of 1986. Cover price 75 cents. This one's titled Wounded Wolf. Ah, ooh. Part three. What? It's part of the Life Death trilogy, isn't it? Oh, right, because it's by... uh... By Claremont and uh, what's his face? <laughs> yes, what's his face? That no talent story and art guy Barry Windsor Smith. There is in the back of the the ghosts trade paperback mm-hmm. that I'm reading this from. There is a collection of life death stories uh, that they apparently released as a trade paperback slash graphic novel, and it has this in it as well. This is. Really? Yeah. It's got Life Death, Life Death 2, and Wounded Wolf. That's weird. They must have just been hard up for material. Just wanted to put together, they call it the X-Men Life Death Premiere Hardcover, although they should have just called it the Barry Windsor Smith Hardcover. The Barry Windsor Smith Collection. And they should have yeah. put the Blast Star issue in there. Yeah, they could have put that in the back. Yeah. Well, the front, really, if you think about it. Oh, well, you know, you don't want to front load with the crap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Uh, yeah, so this is a cover of Wolverine, um, with various tubes protruding through his body, and it almost, I don't know, maybe looks like he's going down a conveyor belt or something. It's very, uh, Weapon X. Yeah, but there is no Weapon X. No, there isn't, but it's, it's, it's almost like Barry Windsor Smith is channeling the future. There's like a skeleton next to Wolverine, it looks like, off to the side there. Yeah, it looks like something. Maybe not a skeleton. It doesn't look like a human skeleton, though. No. But you're, you're right. I mean, uh, there, there's, uh, on one hand, he's got his claws, and on the other hand, where his claws might be, you've actually got more tubes that are kind of going into his knuckles. So, I don't spoil it. Like, this doesn't happen in this issue, um, but it's definitely as if Barry Windsor Smith is thinking to himself, I got an idea for a story, and I'm going to lay the seeds right here. There's a lot of seed laying going on lately. Yep, definitely. So, so I was remembering Chris Claremont there in, a, in a previous issue when I think James and Heather, oh, when, when Wolverine finds out that uh, James McDonald Hudson died, he does say something along the lines of, he rescued me when I was lost in the woods, nearly an animal, which, you know, was a kind of a sort of a paragraph that got turned into that two-part X-Fact or uh, Alpha Flight story, mm-hmm. which in turn spawned this. Yeah, it's building little building blocks all over the place. And it all started in Daredevil. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a great cover, uh, classic, if you will. Um, so, like three colors going on here, four colors, yeah. three Four. Purple, black, pink, and red. Oh, and white. Okay. So we open up this thing and we get a little sign hanging from the top of the page, which is not the title of this book. Um, it says, The Body Shop Trademark Will Make a New You. Yeah, it does look like a title. It, it, it was kind of confusing. But yep. I, I think it's just one of those, like in a movie, this would be a location title. Yes, absolutely. Um, and there's a woman who is being turned into something else. And she's thinking to herself uh, about the pain and the rage and the glory. And then uh, we see in the background somebody observing this. Actually, four people observing this. Three that we don't know who they are yet. 
one who vaguely looks like Spiral. Lots of, uh, this is this is very Claremontium as far as the dialogue goes. Who, what, shedding, shredding, forming, change, different, same, what have I done? She screams as we get kind of a full, uh, so the, the page is divided up into three long panels, and we get this kind of long panel of uh, this cybernetic woman wondering what has she done. She's in this giant pool of liquid And she's got wires coming out of her head, mainly. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, her wrists. And it is uh, going, it looks like it's, yeah, it's pretty much everywhere. There's some in her butt. (laughs) Yes, there are wires everywhere. She has been uh, cleaned of all hair on her body. And uh, the woman here is Spiral. She introduces herself as, uh, uh, I am Spiral. Um, and she is explaining that she's, this woman is in the final stage of her nutrient bath and her biomed transmutation has been completed successfully. Uh, there are a few more cyborgs in the room and one of we, we recognize one of them or we are told that this is Reese. Yep. Uh, so one can only assume that Cole is somewhere nearby. Yep. And he asks, uh, she's... She's a cyborg like us. Spiral answers, yes, but Lady Deathstrike is nothing like you and your men. She's a living woman, the ultimate true woman of war. So I'm wondering how new a concept cyborg is when this issue came out. Because I'm probably sure William Gibson was already doing stuff. It was probably like many years before that. Sure. What what year was this? 1986, I believe. Yeah. I mean, uh, hasn't uh, Terminator, Terminator's already been a movie. Um, were they called, were they called cybernetic organisms in the first movie? I don't remember. I yeah, feel I like, know. uh, they probably were living tissue over cybernetic organism or something like that. I don't remember. That might've been T2. Organism. Yeah. Uh, and, and so Lady Deathstrike, it's, it's the woman from the past two issues of Alpha Flight. And she goes on to say that her foe X-Men has unbreakable claws. It'll cut through anything. I want those too. And you you have them. She has a different sort of, uh, she has protruding fingernails, I guess, uh, or just extended finger claws. Yep, finger claws is what I'd go with. They they retract and extend as needed. They're kind of like uh, the, the T-1000s like uh, thing. Like they're, they're morphy, kind of. Yeah, so this, this movie both uh, comes after Terminator and comes before Terminator 2. Yeah. So it sets the bar for both of them. <laughs> totally. And uh, the woman, or I guess Lady Deathstrike says uh, the, the process can be reversed, right? So once I complete my mes- uh, my mission, you will restore my humanity and that of my associates as well. The body shop guarantees satisfaction, says Spiral. And uh, the cyborgs are like, um, is this... Is this for real? And the guy's like, well, I mean, Wolverines are our uh, mortal foe anyways, and so things could be a lot worse. And we're getting paid a bunch of money, so, you know, yeah, sure, why not? Yeah, I guess they kind of don't really care. They're just like, either way, we uh, we get to track him down and hopefully kill him. 
Spiral, Spiral says, how amusing to desire that which was never really yours, the so-called humanity, to dream of regaining it through mur uh, the murder of another. And lastly, to dance with the devil, meaning herself, believing you will spin away with your soul intact and untainted. So this almost seems like there's uh, these folks are getting more than they are bargaining for. Domo arigato. Spiral says, Lady Deathstrike, for what have you done this night? Oyama Yuriko is eternally grateful. And... Uh, we are, this story is written very much in the way that you don't have to have read anything that has come before. You yeah. don't have to know about all that Daredevil stuff. You don't have to know about all that Alpha Flight stuff. In fact, it's probably better that you don't. Well, and that's what uh, we talked a little bit about during the Alpha Flight. And, and as we read this issue, this r issue really doesn't reference anything. Uh, it, it's a standalone story. Um, and I didn't read any of that other material when I was growing up and I read this issue. And I just assumed that somewhere in the pages of some comic book that I never, uh, had, there was like this big grudge between, uh, Yuriko and Wolverine, which is why she has gone through this process. Cause this is a pretty extreme process to go through to want to hunt down the guy that, you know, just kind of like escaped the yeah. one interaction that they ever had. So I don't it's know. It's pretty intense. Yeah. I mean, it's good. I like it. It's well drawn. It's well colored. Uh, there's a lot of unanswered questions like why is Spiral here? What's a body shop? Is it got a physical address? Is it metaphysical? How did Eureka find it? <laughs> Will we ever see it again? W was Cole and Reese, Cole and Reese, were they with Eureka in Alpha Flight issues? No. So how did they meet? How did they meet Spyro or Lady Deathstrike? Yeah, how did all of this come together for them to be transformed into cyborgs? And, you know, in the in the hands of a lesser artist, you'd probably be put off by that. But when you've got all of this uh, excellent art and this just vivid color, I don't know, you just kind of, I just, I've always just accepted this. I feel like uh, this is some of the stuff that Chris Claremont does best is that, he creates a story that it really doesn't matter who the characters are. It's it's a good story. But then he injects these kind of like you have Spyro who came from the Longshot miniseries. You have Lady Deathstrike who came from Daredevil, and then eventually, oh, right. and then you have uh, Cole and Reese who came from really old issues of uh, X Men, and then eventually New Mutants. He's been kind of carrying them through. None of these characters have to be these characters, but it gives it a, that extra layer of interesting. I mean, it, it it could just be some random person who has a vendetta against Wolverine and has a couple of cyborg lackeys, and he's, she's he's going she's going to this place called the Body Shop. It doesn't have to be Spiral, but it's kind of uh, it makes it a little more interesting without being cluttered. It yeah yeah it it fully uh, develops a universe. Um, yeah, so. I agree. It's, it's he does. There was Chris Claremont, as we've learned, does that really well. And so we flash to uh, South Street in Seaport, which I imagine is somewhere in New York, right? Got to be on the Lower East River shore of Manhattan Island. Yeah, Lady Deathstrike in some dialogue boxes gives some of the backstory that we did get from Alpha Flight without referencing Alpha Flight. So the whole kamikaze mission, uh, he failed. And then the key is Wolverine. The secret's locked within his Gaijin brain. Um, so she says that he failed because of me. And that is the only mention she gives that he, she killed her father. That is never touched upon again. And I think it would actually detract from this story. If you know that. Yeah, it, yeah, a little bit, yeah. 
So we see as we finish off Lady Deathstrike's reason for her vendetta that little Katie Power is out with a, I don't know, a nanny. Now he's bringing in Power Pack. He's all over the place. He's a crazy guy. Actually, I think this might be a, uh, I don't know what, they're, they're caroling. So Katie Power is one of the carolers with some woman named Betts, but that doesn't matter. Uh, we get a little bit of introduction to who Katie Power is and what she can do. She's washing her hands. She can't get them dried because the thing, the darn uh, blower is too high, so she uses her disintegration power to dry them off. So kind of giving a little bit of like, here's a young, innocent little girl, and she's got some powers. Um, yeah, they actually don't even say in the beginning that she's from Power Pack. You figure it out eventually, but yeah. True, true. Like it, it, it does, yeah, it doesn't even say, she just says, I'll use my Energizer power. Right, and there's no asterisk. red power pack, you're like, who is this girl? Right, there's no asterisk here saying, see current issues of power pack, which is kind of nice. Like, this whole issue does isn't cluttered. And I guess I, uh, I guess Life Death didn't have any of that either, like cluttered up with um, little little editor's notes. Yeah. So It's just a story. I wonder how Jim Shooter, what Jim Shooter thought of this issue. Well, they he probably didn't read it. Probably not. I don't like this art. He's his art's weird. Where's the Beyonder? Yeah, he's still riding uh, high. It's like, oh, the Beyonder sales are still rolling in. So they uh, they after they get done in the bathroom, they all head out to get ready for some caroling. When out from nowhere comes some a howl first, and then uh, the teacher that they're with or whoever she is gets knocked over by one of the cyborg guys. And as does Katie Powers. Reese, Mackin's down, but I got a clear shot. So this is Cole. So I guess this is Cole mm-hmm. bursting through the two of them, firing a gun that goes, it's Vadam? Vadam. Vadam. That man hit us, he's shooting a gun. Now Katie can't find uh, her teacher. I guess we're just going to call her teacher yeah she says miss randolph it's katie miss and as she stands up to think uh, to face what she thinks is her teacher she sees a very naked and very bloodied wolverine he's still got his underpants on and his boots so he's in one boot one boot and he is he's a wounded wolf the title is right there a solo adventure starring wolverine of the uncanny x-men Chris Claremont's script, or story script, Barry Windsor Smith, the story, art, and color. And then uh, a little bit further down are the rest of the cast, Orm Orzakowski on letters, and Ascenti is the editor, and Jim Shooter's the editor-in-chief. And that's a good point. The uh, The coloring of this is also very different than uh, your usual um, X-Men comic book, or, or probably most comics, to be honest. And it's it's very textural and layered and... It's really uh, a lot of shading and multiple layers of colors and just just adds to the, the art. If you compare it to the last issue, and we did have a guest penciler, uh, and you look at the colors, like um, every character is their color plus black shadowing. And right. that's it, right? There's it's Everything's super, super flat. Um, this is like, this is very uh, deep. Um, you've got Wolverine's skin, for example, is three different colors which is a little abnormal. Four, if you count the, the black shading. And, interestingly enough, you get the same drawing. Remember the Blastar? No, the uh, classic X-Men, where his head was, like, all off-kilter and his shoulders <laughs> were super high. The Frank Miller drawing? Well, that was Frank Miller, you're right. Oh, bad me. Anyways, this is very similar to this, except this one works really well. <laughs> yeah. His head is way down and his shoulders are way high, but it's like it's because he's hunched over. Well, I think, yeah, I think that drawing was trying to draw him hunched over, but it, it failed. It didn't work. Yeah. 
It just made him look like he had a head in the middle of his chest. <laughs> and then the other thing that that's very uh, layered about this and provides depth is you've got illustrations of really thick snowflakes as well as effects of the wind. So there's a lot of stuff happening in this panel. Wolverine uh, also should be noted is not just practically naked, but he's also covered in blood. Yeah, he's got blood spatters all over him. So he's he's not talking. He's he's been beaten pretty badly. Right, and this is another thing. Is like, well, wait a minute. Did this did this happen in a different issue? Like, how much time has transpired between the body shop, them turning into cyborgs, and, and Wolverine being pursued and and turned into this bloodied uh, state? Like, where's where's that adventure? Which is actually. What I thought the Alpha Flight Part 2 would be is the lead-up to this. And I'm glad it's not, to be honest. Yeah, I'm glad it's not, too. Uh, so, he was more invested in what was going on in Alpha Flight. Yeah. So uh, Wolverine grabs Katie as as Cole, I guess. is like, hey, I'm following you. I'm on your tail. And Katie that's Lady Deathstrike. Oh, it could be. Uh, just yeah, yeah. She says, I shall follow, which is sounds more... Like her sure. speech pattern. And uh, Katie's like, oh, Mr. Logan, it's you. So she recognizes him probably from Thanksgiving, if you remember. Mm-hmm. And uh, he pops his claws at her and she, she freaks out. She's like, oh, my God, those claws are a part of you. Are you going to hurt me, Mr. Logan? A cop falls up and uh, Katie is ho- uh, hoping that they'll help her out. But she doesn't know what to do about Mr. Logan. He's uh, he Has he done something wrong? Will they arrest him? And... Th- Wolverine grabs Katie and starts running away from the cops. He's also growling, too, like a low guttural growl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The cop's like, hey, let go of the girl. Uh, Wolverine dashes off, and they're like, all right, call for backup. He's uh, he's running. And Katie starts to panic. Uh, You're holding me too tight. It hurts. Put me down. I mean, she's panicking with good reason. Mm-hmm. Stop it. I keep hitting, but he doesn't notice. I thought you were my friend. You're scaring me. And then she uses her. This is where she finally reveals that she's from Power Pack, in case you didn't know. I'm Energizer, part of Power Pack. And she she fires up a Powerball in front of them, which knocks both of them over. And she got snow in her boots. She's cold and she's wet and she better run away while she can. But she takes the time to disintegrate a garbage can that's nearby, which allows her to change, I guess, get more energy. And then she changes into her power pack costume. Um, But she doesn't want to she doesn't want to leave Wolverine behind because she doesn't know what's going on. Friends don't hurt friends, Mr. Logan. Why did you? What's wrong? Don't you know me? Are you sick? He's covered in blood. He's been hurt, she says. Who are those guys that hit us? Did they beat you up? And she's apparently made the decision that she's not going to run away. Uh, she's like, we got to find some help. we got to find a place to hide. So um, come with me. I don't know where we are, which way to go. She she convinces Wolverine to stand up and walk. They'll catch us if you keep crawling, Mr. Logan. you got to get up. Please try. She's worried that if he falls over, she won't be able to drag him away. And Wolverine is just barely clinging to life through this whole thing. He's mm. not talking. He's hunched over. He's growling. He's running on impulse. He's confused. Yeah, he's he's in an animal-like uh, in, instinct state. Uh, but it does look... Uh, as we go through these panels as if he is developing a trust to Katie and he does start following her um, on his own power. And she's trying to find yeah. a phone or something to call Power Pack or the X-Men. Um, so yeah, we see the 
Cole and Lady Deathstrike are still following with a flashlight, and probably there's a gun attached to that. Again, lots of snow and swirly wind um, drawn on the page. Yeah, it, it adds to the uh, the sense of kind of panic that nobody can actually see anything. Yeah. It, there's, there's an intensity or attention. Yeah, definitely. Which yeah, you don't normally some, see in comics. Some confusion and... And whatnot, adding to the whole tension of the issue. Uh, they eventually uh, find a, a cab. Katie kind of yeah. jumps out in front of it, and she's like, stop. She throws Wolverine in the back. Please, my uncle, some nasty people beat him up. Did a pretty fair job, too, by the look of him, poor devil. He is not a devil. She thinks That's to herself, youngster. even if he's as scary as one. So she's, she's a little scared of what's going on, but she's not going to be detracted. We see the silhouettes of the three people following them, presumably Cole, Reese, and Lady Deathstrike. Lady Deathstrike. Uh, Wolverine can sense them. He's still not top-notch, but he pops his claws, slams them through the door, Causing the door to uh, bust open, and he throws Katie out the out the side. Aye! And then he grabs the cabbie and throws the cabbie out of the the car. And then uh, we'll say Cole lights up the car with another the dom, and the car. I guess it explodes. There's there's fire behind them. So yeah. So yeah, Katie screams, Wolverine, he threw the driver out. He saved him, but he's still in there. Wolverine is basically in there as the car exploded. So here, Wolverine must have, I don't know, smelled the gun oil, smelled the cyborg, smelled something, and just uh, used his instincts to throw all these people out of the car, saving their lives. And uh, he bursts out of the flames and grabs Katie and uh, runs off, I don't know, to like a a work site, it looks like. He is on fire. (laughs) Uh, as he as he leaves the burning cab, so that's probably not helping. Nope. Uh, these next couple of panels, I had trouble really. It looks like he jumps over a fence, but he doesn't know what the other side of the fence is. And they there's a hill on the other side, and they kind of roll through the snow down the hill. Um, maybe like an abandoned lot or something like that. It looks like a, a, a construction, construction site. Lot. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Katie's nose is bleeding, and she she's kind of had it now. She's like, I hate this. I hate you. I wish we never would have met. And she's like, oh, no, no, I, I didn't mean that. I, I'm so, I didn't mean to be mean or rotten. I, I'll get you home. I'm sorry. And that's when Wolverine starts speaking in Japanese. So it looks like he's he's coming around a little bit. Boku wa dare, which presumably means what am I? Mm-hmm. What'd you say, Mr. Should Logan? Say- you said a word. I think, Mr. Logan, can't you speak like me? This is the same question uh, Lady Deathstrike was asking. I know you, girl. He says in Japanese, why do I not know myself? Well, he's, yeah, he is. It's it's weird how they, they do the... Uh, they do the Japanese here. They kind of started in Japanese with a little translation bars, and then they keep the translation bars, and at some point they, they just lose it. Well, I, I'm guessing that he's um, he starts off in, in Jap, Jap, Japanese, and then as, as his mind and, and whatnot is clearing up, he realizes he's not in Japan, so then he starts just flipping back into English. Right. But it's, 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 it's interesting. I think these first few panels that are in English are, like you said, still in Japan, which is an interesting way for the reader to know what's going on. He howls after asking why he doesn't know who he is. Katie uh, turns her costume off, and I guess she's been wearing like a sweatshirt or sweater or something like that. And he, she puts that on his back to maybe warm him up a little bit. Very nice. And it is, in fact, that uh, that bit of human kindness that kind of snaps 
Wolverine back into it. He and now the the translation bars are gone, so he's saying "domo domo arigato." She says, uh, "My daddy had the same look in his eyes when he thought mommy was going to die." We we read all about that. It was like he'd lost everything that was important to him. With me, Katie girl, it's pretty much the same. And this is this is just a spectacularly drawn profile of Wolverine. It's really good. Like just the the stubble is just, just really well drawn the lips the nose the eyes like everything it's really well done still still blood spots all over the place as well she uh katie says mr logan you remember you're yourself and he says not by a long shot but i'm getting there thanks to you the same way my healing factor repairs my body it's restoring my mind so the the implication is that he had been beaten so badly he was driven into an animal state and this running around he has been slowly slowly healing everything mind and body apparently uh, reese and cole and lady deathstrike have caught up with wolverine and katie power um reese has wolverine in his sights but lady deathstrike is like nope it's my pleasure i'm gonna kill him you put your gun down he's too dangerous he's badly wounded little better than an animal lady that makes it worse. And there you're like, well, now, which one of these is the smart one? Is it Cole or is it Lady Deathstrike? And they're both stupid. <laughs> <laughs> well, Lady Deathstrike should have put Honor aside and let him take the shot. Yeah, Cole should have just taken the shot. Yep. So Katie is like, she, she, now she's like, okay, he's back. I helped. I want to be a part of this team. And she's like... I'll disintegrate something real big and fry them with my Powerballs, or or maybe I'll disintegrate them. You will not. But they're trying to kill you. That's my lookout, whatever that means. <laughs> maybe that's his new catchphrase. <laughs> Scoot, that's my lookout, Futzer. <laughs> I want to help. Uh, you you really can't help. These are old foes, foes of mine. Well, some of them anyway. With old scores to settle, this is a grudge fight. Leave them to me. You're going to have to do the hardest thing you've ever done and the bravest. I want you to trust me. And right, so when Wolverine says, these are old foes of mine, Katie, uh, Cole Mack and Reese, definitely. And I never knew that until you and I started going through the series. And when I first, re I guess, reread X-Men, I think it was 137, I was like, oh, okay, this is where this story starts. Um, yeah. But I had always assumed that there was something else with Yuriko, which is why yeah, I just turned they, Yukio yeah. into Yuriko. <laughs> well, even that, I mean, Yukio is not that, he just met her in that series. So even that's not that long ago, but. No, but at least they had like a, a mini series uh, and, you know, I don't know, maybe, uh, maybe there was another issue that I missed at some point, you know, I didn't know. The way that it's written, it, it feels like it could be something that's just off that we, we never saw. That could, no, yeah, the way it's written here, but having read Alpha Flight, you also are kind of like, well, that was the first time they met, and that was like last month. Right. So, but that's okay. I mean, still, it all stands on its own. So, uh, now we've got Cole and Reese um, targeting Wolverine. I guess it's Reese here. Stupid Broad should have let you, oh, Cole, Stupid Broad should have let you ice him, Reese. You ask me, she's a psycho. And Wolverine is underneath a bridge that he's walking over, and he punches through the bridge and through his chest, it looks like. Stomach. Yes. Uh, I think he, yeah, he's, he's aiming to kill here. Yes. Deathstrike Cole's been hit. His metastats say he's hurt and out of action, just like Mac. And so, not dead, but 
but taken care of for the for the time well, being. Well, they're cyborgs now, so yeah, so they can't really die. But it's this it, his hand uh, and claws went through uh, uh, Cole uh, Reese's Cole's body. Yeah, shucked or scucked rather. Odds are shifting, lady. We go or stay. Do as you wish, Reese. My place is here. Your funeral. So now it's just the two of them, one on one. Well, well, actually, no. Wolverine. Wolverine goes after Reese. Reese now. He's able to hit uh, Wolverine at point blank range with his Vadam gun, which presumably is pretty uh, nasty. Blew up a car. Yeah, he's like, oh, that was that was point blank. No way anybody could have survived. Wolverine opens his eyes and punches through his stomach as well. Remember in Terminator Two, he gets that gun at the end where he just launches those big bullets and they just go. Poof, yes, and uses them to blow up the Terminator. That's what I'm imagining this Vadam is. Oh yeah, totally. Lady Deathstrike calls out for Reese, and uh, Reese isn't answering. Wolverine says in Japanese, you're wasting your time. He's done, and so are you. I hoped, prayed, I knew our duel would end like this. Hunter and hunted warriors both face-to-face alone, burning their sins away with blood, with only their skill and courage and steel to save them. Of the of we two, only the best shall survive. And she extends her finger claws. Yeah, and they are quite fingerlicious. <laughs> They're very long. And Wolverine says, why, Yuriko? This doesn't have to be. as And, and the way, I don't know, I guess the way I've read it uh, is that, why, Yuriko, we used to be friends or bitter enemies or nemesises or something. Yeah, it's more like, I don't even know you. <laughs> yeah. Why, lady? This doesn't have to be. I am my father's daughter bound by his dreams as I am honored by his name. The man's dead. Which, which, is, which is very strange now that we know that she killed him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the man is dead and the dreams were mad. Um, the child is but the shadow of the parent in death even more so than life. So long as his work remains unfinished, his dream unfulfilled, I am but the palest reflection of my father. My own life cannot begin. So knowing everything that I know now, I'm just going to say after all this, she's gotten unhinged. Okay, sure. Uh, i buy that. There's a little bit of weird honor. Uh, she was uh, probably abused by her father. We know we know he scarred her. Yep. Um, he, she, she drove or he drove her to kill him. So I think she's a little crazy at this point just to do the old flipperoo. Yep. A fool's dream, a false hope. Lady Deathstrike says that Gaijin is my choice. You're a mutant. Mine's, uh, that's where your powers come from. Mine's technology. I'm faster than you, stronger than you. My claws are sharper. Your life's road is at the end, Wolverine. That lady is my choice. I'll kick when I'm ready. And tonight ain't it. So Wolverine just goes crazy, and in a very unlike Chris Claremont style, we get four widescreen panels with no dialogue. These, um, these, this fight brings us back to that Frank Miller Wolverine fight. Remember those panels? Um, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Four by four by four yep. long panels of just brutal uh, fighting. The difference, uh, if I recall, is that Frank Miller's were evenly. Spaced. I believe so. Yeah. These are these are not. These are differently sized. Which, and and we do get like some close ups too, mm-hmm. of like close up of Wolverine taking damage and his crazy eyes. I like the uh, last panel on this page where Wolverine's gritting his teeth and blood squirting out in between his teeth. Really well drawn. Blood, blood streaked all over his face. Earlier in the issue, when he was still crazy, his eyes were red. Mm. Now they have gone to brown, which 
If you ever wondered what Opal Wolverine's eye colors were, now we know. They're brown. Yep, they are. My God, Yoriko. So she, he realizes now as he's been working on her and, and, and hacking and cutting and punching that she's not just wearing like a, like a bionic suit. Like she has uh, fully committed this whole cyborg thing. Yeah. So he basically hacks her up and she should be dead, but she's not because now she's robot parts. It was necessary to become like you. The better to slay me. My healing factor makes me a mutant. Now we get the, not really what we talked about on Alpha Flight, but a hint of it. Lacing my bones with adamantium and giving me these claws. That was done to me. But you asked to be changed. You did this to yourself. Threw away humanity. I'd give pretty near anything to possess. Your old man be proud. You're a carbon copy. What a waste. So is this the first mention in the pages of the X-Men that the claws and bones were done to him? Um, I think that no. No? Okay. I don't remember. I mean, they've they've talked about his bones being adamantium and then it changed to laced with adamantium, his claws yeah. being a part of him. Like, all of that's been talked about, but I don't know that it's... A, I can't recall an issue where he's like, somebody did this to me and I got to find him. You might be right. I mean, it could be... Yeah, it could be that the, the turning point was that they kind of solidified that Alpha Flight story. They had kind of talked about it before, but now they're actually executing yeah giving us giving us firmer details so yeah. that now they're deciding okay somebody did this to wolverine yeah i have a lot i have lost worse i have failed my life is forfeit so she wants wolverine to take what is his i guess her life and he refuses he said you made me an animal again death strike took me back to a time in my life i thought i'd put behind me um Animal and man for each. Each has his reasons for killing and none apply here. Show mercy, I beg you, let me free. He retracts his claws as she reaches up to him and he says, earn it. Snack it. And he walks away. He walks over to where Katie was hiding in a little shack and says, you can open your eyes, Energizer. It's safe. I did what you asked me, Wolverine. I didn't see or hear a thing. Good. What happened? Did or what happened? Did you? Won't lie, Kitty Girl. There's a part of me as wild and fierce as my namesake. I'm a hard man, given to hard ways. When I fight, it's to win. That isn't pretty, and it sure isn't nice. Oh, mm. is, that, is that the fir- first? What I do isn't very nice. <laughs> it's it's getting there. But being a man, that means choosing to grow and change and put aside the old ways. Some people can or worse won't do that. Like that lady and her creeps. Yep. So we're going back to the Wolverine Limited series where he talks about, I'm a man. Yep. I'm not an animal. I'm a man. I was scared of you, Mr. Wolverine. I know. Are you still? A little. Didn't Kitty and Wolverine have that same kind of relationship? I think everybody's a little scared of Wolverine with good reason. No matter what happens, ever, you'll always have a friend to run to, Katie. That is, if you want. And so, Mr. Logan, will you? Come on, little darling. Storm's lifting. Let's go home. Finn. Finn. Yeah, fantastic. Great issue. So, were you reading X-Men at this time, or did you just pick this up as a back issue? Back issue. Okay, because that would be really interesting to have, like, been out, been, been there when this came out. No, um, I'm, I... Start collecting in about 11 issues off the newsstand, but almost immediately start going over the back issues and, and getting these. And I'm sure this was, you know, very, very soon after I started collecting newsstand issues, I had this in my hands. 
Were you shocked? No, I don't know. It's compelling stuff. I was, you know, pretty, I was in like fifth grade, so I don't know how much of it I, you know, understood or grasped or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Good it's, stuff. Yeah, it's things like that that make uh, Wolverine probably everybody's favorite, right? Yeah. Well, definitely Barry Windsor Smith's favorite. Yeah. He, this, this, this was like a setup for Weapon X, very much like he was just figuring out, this is what I want to do. I'm well, going to do a whole story here. What do you think came first? Do you think the book came first, or do you think that cover came first? Uh, I don't know. I don't know how the, the biz works. Well, I never mind the biz. Um, it, it almost seems like, you know, they Chris Claremont and and Chris uh, Barry Windsor Smith and probably, what, uh, Bob Layton, uh, whoever was doing Alpha Flight, they all they all met up. No, Bill Mantlow, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. They all met up and they're like, this is what we're talking about. This is what we're thinking. This is what we did in Alpha Flight. And what do you think, you guys? And then they cooked up kind of the story about, you know, the body chop, the cybernetics, the the fight and all that sort of stuff. And then they did that. And then maybe throughout that creative process, Barry Windsor Smith was thinking to himself, huh, kind of like where this is going. I have an idea about how Wolverine was created and then put that cover together. Yeah, maybe. Because, I mean, as as I said at the beginning, that cover, that doesn't happen. And it's 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 only referenced in one word balloon that that was done to him. Right. So, I don't know. But yeah, totally. I mean... If 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 that panel isn't recreated in the Weapon X story, it uh, you know very closely uh, something is re- uh, resembles that. Yeah. So good stuff. So um, yeah, if you want to let us know what you thought of this episode or that issue or any of the stuff or any of the issues, do so by visiting us at www.xmenpodcast.com, facebook.com forward slash Danger Room Podcast. Follow us at Danger Room Go. Email us, dangerroom at redcapproductions.com. You can go out to iTunes. You can subscribe to us, leave us some stars, leave us some feedback. Uh, By going out to iTunes, going to the podcast section, searching for Danger Room, we'll be the first ones that show up. Or you can give us a phone call at 501-GET-X-MEN and leave us a, a voice message. 501-438-9636. 501-438-9636. And as always, our music is provided by Laszlo Hollyfeld. Adam, did you do any additional reading this week? Well, before we talk about that, we got a couple of iTunes reviews. Oh, sorry. I, I always some, get ahead of myself. Some five-star iTunes reviews. Um, we're, clo- we're getting very close to 200, in which I promised to do something very special for the last five people. I don't know. I'll have to go back. And I still don't know what that is. But man, it's going to be special. I know it's what it is, but I can't tell you. Okay, okay. <laughs> I've been to you'll the future have, and we talked about you'll it. You have to you'll have to let me know. <laughs> well, when you when you tell tell me, I'll be like, "Yep, you got it." Okay, okay. <laughs> uh M Naps, right? M N A F T S. M M N Fs. M Naps says, "Awesome, can't stop listening. Keep it up." And Lieblander says a great gateway drug to the comics. Although I've never been a regular comics reader, have long been a fan of serial fiction, usually in the form of multi-novel sagas like The Lord of the Rings, The Dark Tower, The Wheel of Time, Dune, etc. Started listening based on a friend's recommendation, but after a few episodes realized that comics are the ultimate serious serial fiction and have since developed a real love for the X-Men franchise as a result of this podcast. It doesn't hurt that Adam and Jeremy are highly entertaining duo. Keep up the great work, guys. Woohoo. Um I've that, often that, That's great. I that's why we do it. Yeah. I, it's something that people say. <laughs> <laughs> I've often wondered um if I 
like serialized movies and TV shows because uh, of the comic books that I've read and the serialized nature of the comic books, or if that's just something that certain people just have instilled within them. Ongoing stories. I will tell you that there, and I don't know if comics is direct, comics is definitely a part of this, and I don't know if it's the cause of it, but there is a completionist obsessiveness to my personality that I feel like started maybe with comic books, and now it's just bled into everything. Right. So the question is, uh, is it because of comics or was comics like, hey, I like serialized stuff, even though I don't even know what that word means? (laughs) A little bit of both? Because as a kid, even if you're reading G.I. Joe, it's like, okay, the thing that happened last issue actually has an effect on the thing that's happening this issue, which is going to have something that affects the next issue. When I was a kid, I had G.I. Joe number 23 and number 46. Oh, wow. And I think... Wanting to know how they got from A to B yeah. was like a huge thing. Sure, uh, I believe it. Because they're totally different issues, like stylistically, writing, where they were. It was, it was like, how do we get from A to B? Mm-hmm. I think for me, that is, is you know, like, like you say, I don't know if it was something that was within me that was brought out, but that, that was definitely a part of it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's like the TV shows. Uh, I mean, TV shows today are all, I mean, almost all serialized, aren't they? I mean, I guess there's probably still some things on the major networks that are, you know, Monster of the Week or Love Interest of the Week or whatever. Where- you know what else it was, though? When we were kids, they had those great five-part Transformers and G.I. Joe, like, cartoons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd have to watch it every day so that we would get the whole story. Yep, I remember I think that. that has to do with a little bit of it, because those were like... Oh, man, it's a two-parter. Oh, man, it's a five-parter. Yeah, and I think G.I. Joe did it better than Transformers. Um, Yes. <laughs> but The but, only Transformers one I remember was the return of Optimus Prime after the movie happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I have and that I on. barely even remember what happens. Well, Optimus Prime comes back. Right, right. But I think he doesn't for a lot. Like, doesn't he come back twice? I don't know. I don't remember. Or is the time he comes back and he's all, like, painted white or something? Oh, that was Rodham. No, that was... Uh, I'm pretty sure it was Optimus. Oh. It's like the guy, the same guy's voice at least, but maybe it turned out that it wasn't Optimus, but it was like, it was the same voice actor. There was a Transformer who was a truck that looked exactly like Optimus Prime that pulled a car carrier. I can't remember what his name was. Uh, yeah, he was in the movie, right? He was, he was in the movies. I think he's on the cover too. He's like right in the front, maybe. He was the guy who was supposed to be the new leader, uh, but he didn't cut it. Yeah. And and because the Matrix didn't choose him. Yeah. And it was one of those classic things where he had one of the two lines in the Transformers movie where somebody swore. Oh. And little me was like. (gasps) Is it somebody says damn and then doesn't somebody say the S word? Yeah. Yeah. uh, I think Spike Witkicky says the Witwicky says the S word when they're getting swallowed by Unicron. Yeah. But I think there's certain versions that they cut that. Yes, the, the video, <laughs> and we're really going down a rabbit hole here. Uh, the, the video release cut all the swearing. I, they, I don't know if they cut the damn it, though, because that, that guy that you're talking about, who's I think his last name is Prime, he's trying to open the Matrix, and he's like, why won't you open, damn it? Yeah, well, there's Rodimus Prime, who started out as just, I think, Hot Rod was his Hot name. Hot Rod. But yeah, I can't remember what the car carrier's name was. Anyways. Maximus. Oh, Maximus. Maximus Prime. Right? Was it Maximus Prime? Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't stake money on it, but it certainly sounds uh, familiar. Anyways, I had him, and he was awesome. They were all awesome, except <laughs> yeah. for Rodimus Prime. 
I had Rodimus Prime too. He, even though he was like all futury uh, RV, he was still kind of cool because he was the leader. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, he's no Optimus. Jeez. Yeah, nobody is. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah. But yes, GI Joe was better. The the five part where they have to run around the world and find all the different mm-hmm. parts mm-hmm. that was great. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Um, okay, well, that was a that was a good good letter section there. Um, <laughs> Thanks for sidetracking. <laughs> it's your fault, Lee Blander and M Naps. How yeah. dare you? Yes. So, what'd you read this week, Adam? I read uh, New Mutants number forty. I didn't. Okay. Well, to quickly summarize, uh, the Avengers receive the Avengers are in this one. They receive a, a call from the authorities that Magneto is planning to kidnap students from Emma Frost, Massachusetts University, and it's one of those Marvel things where like, oh, it's Magneto. He's turning back to his bad ways. We better go kick his butt. Do they talk about the awkward Thanksgiving dinner at all? No, they don't mention that at all. Okay. I guess maybe this happened before it. I don't know. Although Namor says something. He says something that reminded me of what he said at the dinner. Hmm. It's like, you can't trust that guy. <laughs> I know firsthand. Um, what I want to know is, why don't the X-Men share their files on Emma Frost? That could have ended this whole thing. Because they're like, oh, Emma Frost, I've heard of her. She's she's as cold as she is beautiful. <laughs> right. There was a period in time when the X-Men had files at the FBI. That would have been an opportune time to just be like, we have an uplink to the Avengers. And yeah. Yeah. Like, well, no such luck. those days are done. Mm-hmm. So uh, typical fight. They they fight Magneto and we... Uh, uh, we we learned that Magneto, his new outfit, you know, the big M outfit. Yeah. He has put um, mag magnetic um, fillings in his cape. Oh. So now he can control his cape and he uses it to like chokehold Hercules or something. Wow. <laughs> uh, the New Mutants, meanwhile, are still at the Massachusetts Academy, and somehow they get aw- they become aware that uh, Magneto is being attacked by the Avengers nearby. So they come to the rescue. They stop the Avengers from fighting him. The Avengers are like, "Oh, I guess we were wrong about you, Magneto." It's like, "Damn it!" <laughs> um, and then the New Mutants uh, are rescued, kind of from their their Beyonder problem yes uh, magneto and emma frost actually work together emma frost on a mental level magneto on a uh, more emotional level and they are able to uh, bring them back to normal so the new mutants are back to normal how magic is back to normal with emma frost not being able to get into her mind i don't know um also nobody ever mentions empath having coerced magneto to letting the kids leave the school i guess they just forgot about that did they know or did they just have a suspicion? Yeah, Magneto at some point is like, ooh, that dirty little rat, no wonder. <laughs> okay. So new men's are back to normal. Hooray. As a, as a side note, um, I did read this month's Alpha Flight. I don't know what number it was. Uh, and Heather Hudson still thinks that uh, James McDonald Hudson manipulated her and Logan, but she at least admits that she's just speculating, which I feel like we should mention that um, – James McDonald Hudson does eventually come back to life, as they all do. Mm-hmm. And um, I believe they get back together, so he he didn't. Right. So I don't know if they were planning to go down this road. They probably didn't really know what they were doing, and, and Bill Mantlow was probably like, well, this is plausible, let's go down this path. But probably also writing it in such a way that there's no evidence. They don't find james mcdonald's journal you know it's all just right. heather speculating so they can always be like ah we can always just go back and say oh i was wrong yeah at least in this issue she does say i'm just speculating but i don't want to date anybody for a while men kind of suck <laughs> How, what happens in x factor this month x factor number four the beast 
is back in action. He's better than ever. And uh, he and the rest of X-Factor fighting Tower outside of the X-Factor headquarters. Uh, But Tower is actually able to escape because he can grow and he can shrink. So he shrinks down and runs away. And he meets up with another mutant, a new, new mutant, not a new mutant, but a (laughs) new mutant. Oh, my gosh. Her name is Frenzy. Uh, and apparently Tower and Frenzy work for a mysterious master, and they are after Rusty for some reason. Meanwhile... She, she reminds me of Circuit Breaker. Yeah, kind of. Uh, meanwhile, Gene uh, is pushing Rusty too hard during training sessions, uh, which actually comes uh, abruptly to an end when Cyclops and Artie walk in. Rusty thinks that Artie's a freak, and he doesn't want to be associated with him or Muty Freaks, so uh, Rusty runs away uh, from the X-Factor complex. Warren and Gene share a moment where Warren almost reveals that he has feelings for for Jean, but X-Factor are interrupted to deal with a mutant menace that actually just turns out to be a false alarm. The false alarm... Also, isn't it Candy Southern calls? Yeah, Candy Southern interrupts them to deal with some some, some, uh, Worthington Industries business so now warren's conflicted right does he does he pursue uh gene or or does he maintain with candy i say candy well yeah sure (laughs) (laughs) uh the mutant uh menace that's a false alarm is a kid at a private school who's pretending to be a mutant in order to keep people away from him because his parents push him too hard and this causes Gene to realize that she needs to stop pushing Rusty so hard and just treat him like a person. So X-Factor returns. Artie alerts them that Rusty is missing and in trouble. Um, Frenzy has found Rusty and tries to bring him into her master. But with Artie's help, X-Factor swings in. They're dressed up in their X-Men uniforms. Uh, swings in and rescue uh, to rescue Rusty from Frenzy. Frenzy reports into another mutant named Time Master who lets her know that the master wants her back at their HQ. Frenzy thinks something to herself about the way, uh, some sway that the Master has over her Time Master and Tower, and soon she will be free of that sway. X-Factor tells Rusty that it was Artie who allowed them to find Rust and rescue Rusty in the first place, so Rusty accepts and makes up with Artie. And right. that was X-Factor number four. Secret, secret bad guy, huh? Secret bad guy. Could- I know who it is. <laughs> Do ya? <laughs> is it toad yes uh i know who it's supposed to be too do you yeah Ooh. i read the liner notes of that x factor epic collection did you yeah you should read them if you haven't i don't think i have interesting stuff all right i'll have to do that maybe it'll reframe my whole perspective on x factor probably not oh. but it'll it, it'll make you go oh well that's interesting okay I will do Glad that. they didn't do that. <laughs> oh, okay. So the master was supposed to be somebody stupid, huh? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we'll check that out. And when we do the reveal of who this master is, maybe we can talk about those liner notes. Oh, yeah. And that's it, man. That's all I got. All right. You got anything else? I do not. I didn't read anything else. I mean, I read some stuff that doesn't relate to X-Men, but we don't talk about that. <laughs> uh, well, then, until next time, my name is Jeremy. My name is Adam. And the danger room is closed. Danger room is closed.